Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael Russo and Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, welcome back for another episode of He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael and Jackie Russo. Michael's Lori, our guest today, I'm still just boggled at how awesome she was, how well you guys connected um, smart, insightful. I mean, I got it. You know, when I read her bio, she's an extremely in-demand creative strategist. She's a speaker. She's an author. She's a coach. She's created award-winning sales generating direct mail, online promotions, more than 20 years. Her client list is a veritable who's who. Hyatt Hotels, K Jewelers, Forbes, Motley Fool, Oprah Winfrey, Big O herself. And yet she couldn't have been more down to earth more conversational, more delightful, more willing to share her insights and processes as a home run. No, I have a serious creative crush on her. She's amazing. Um, and I think when you when you hear her, you, you will feel her energy. Um, like she's just vibrant. And um, like she said herself, she loves what she does and it shows, you know, yeah. the, the passion for everything that she's about. And um, um yeah, I, I like I said, gr- great guest and just so much fun. Yeah, no, she describes herself, and I think after talking to her, I could not agree more, as relentlessly curious. And I think you have to be that to be successful in our business, to continue to grow and evolve. So um, y'all are in for a treat. Listen up. Welcome to Lori Holler. And so without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Lori. Hey. Hey. So we're so excited to have you here. And obviously, um, we have a mutual acquaintance, uh, acquaintance for us, significant for you. And so he was a guest, and then he introduced us to you, and now you're a guest. We're just basically running through your whole friend group, I think. Okay, good. That sounds great. (laughs) I think so, too. So, you know, obviously... When we talk about branding and we talk about marketing, we talk about strategy as being so important. Um, but you've got a little bit of the creative side in you too. So kind of talk us through your view. How do you approach it? Do you feel like you lead with the creative? You lead with the strategy? Do you try to keep it a blend? What's your approach? Hmm, that's a good question. You know, I think each project is different. So some projects will demand, and it also depends on what I've been, you know, called in to do. So one project I'll need to, you know, lead with that idea. One, one project will need to be heavy on strategy. So like if I'm called in to be heavy on copy, for example, I might approach it one way. If design is the big factor, the big like wow, are we going in the right direction? Is this too strong, dark, whatever it is? But all in all, it's really the people and who you're talking to. What are their fears? What do they want out of whatever product it is? Is it a like a retirement planning uh, option? Is it for your acne? Is it I'm a, um, a gentleman with prostate problems? Do I need, you know, what is it? So that's kind of how I get on top of it at first. I gotcha. And so walk me through the process. So you start to kind of think about the end um, user at the target audience. You start to think about what the need might be. Where do you go from there? Or do you, where do you go for creative inspiration? Where do you, you know, do you hit the research trail first? Do you collaborate in a, a group yeah. environment? What gets the juices yeah. flowing? Okay, so I don't know if you looked on my bio and head sheet, but um, you probably saw that bold with yellow highlight, relentless, you know. uh, Relentlessly curious. Uh, Yeah, that's me. So I think that bubbles up first for me. Um, That's probably the biggest thing that sets me apart besides me being able to write copy and do design. So I just go at it at looking at testimonials. You know, I'm looking at uh, what people are really saying with real words instead of so much the copywriting or what has been done in the past. I try to look at the words. I'll even print out testimonials, for example, just to get me started. Like you're asking, how do I get into my jam? Well, I really need to see 
what's going on in those people's lives, what's happened in the past that they didn't like, what do they love about this product? Was it because it worked in uh, 72 hours? Was it three months instead of a year? So I get really involved in the emotional behavior of the people and how they're feeling. That's so critical. And then, like I mentioned, what are those real words? Because the minute somebody comes to the table and just starts writing copy, it sounds like that. It feels like that. And it's not going to touch you. It's not going to touch your customer, your prospect, your audience. They're going to think specifically these days, wow, this is just a bunch of marketing speak. And the more you go on top of those exact words that they wake up with every single morning and say it's inside their head. So you, I kind of start with that. Where where are they? I look at the product. I look at all other products that are competitors. And one thing that I've been doing for about two years is I try to pinpoint, you know, what is this product what would happen if they use this product? I go backwards. What did they maybe use before? What are those benefits? Mm-hmm. What's the deficit? And if this product that I'm trying to sell works or doesn't work, how does that look? What what will their words be like if it works? What will they do next if this doesn't work, what will they choose next? What are the differentials? Does does any of this make sense? It makes perfect sense. And what mm-hmm. I love is as you start to talk through your process, I visualize it. I can totally see how you're thinking, okay, if they go this path, what's the outcome? This one. And so you're starting to put yourself into that customer's journey mm-hmm. and walk in their shoes. And to me, that's what we have to do all the time, because otherwise Mm -hmm. we're talking at them instead of hearing them. Well, and I'll say this too, Lori, you you are definitely um, a a unicorn in the fact that um, we kind of have similar paths. I'm a writer and a designer as well, and um, primarily designer. I just happen to have a knack for writing ad copy. You know, Um, I put works Mm -hmm. together pretty well for headlines and and, and, um, I call it like lyrical writing has a flow to it, you know, and it's rare though. The more and more I get into my world and hiring and things like that, people don't do both anymore. I I, I think when I came out of school, it seems like we were all trained to do that. Uh, we came from an ad, ad design program and we were taught to conceptually think and to come up with headlines. And that was part of being a designer almost. And nowadays it's like everybody I meet, they're a graphic designer or they're a writer. And it's such a help if anybody's listening to do both, <laughs> if you can do, mm-hmm. if you can, if you can it, it, at least understand the English language enough to tr- tinker things and move things around. And cause you have to do that on the fly sometimes. So I don't even know how to, like, I often write while I design, like I, as I'm yeah, designing something. That's what I, am, I do. Yeah. It just, it makes more sense that way. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to do it outside of that context. Mm-hmm. No, when you brought up many points, you know, these days, I'll just tell you, there's been a big shift in like the last three years because of technology. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I do also a lot of coaching, either two or three team members, 100 person team, just the writers, just the designers, both of them, how to get along, the marketing people, I'll work with the CEO, you know, all these people, but Recently, even a dev coder, they've never went to design school. They don't, you know, they'll even say on the first three calls, I'm not a designer. I don't know how to design. Once I explain and show them, maybe I've created a template to speed things up. The reason we're using this rich, dark red here is that it's important to catch the uh, reader's eye, not a bright, frivolous red. After like three or four sessions, they stop with the uh, I'm only a dev coder and be like, Lori, you know, I really think that's too dark of a blue and whatever. And then I've created an animal. So Getting back to just like um, coming to the table and being so, I'm so grateful to be able to get on top of the copy and the design. One thing that allows me to get so deeply into the shoes of the reader, I believe, is uh, my three-step copy review process that I created like two decades ago. And the first time out, all you're doing is you print it out and you read it out loud. 
And you don't have to ever have been in this market, but you can read it out loud. You become the person, you know, I have joint pain or whatever it is. I can't swing around my grandma, you know, or my granddaughter or anybody anymore uh, because of these problems. So you'll notice things when you read it out loud and you'll just circle it and you'll say like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You haven't told me about this. I'm so confused. Okay, I'm not going to, you know, stay on top of this sales page anymore. So I think getting back to that, like the word copywriting, I kind of wish the whole industry would get together in a big meeting and we'd be like, we're not going to call it copywriting anymore because that's old hat. It doesn't work. You, mm-hmm. you have to be doing copy speaking, copy saying, emotional words that come out of your mouth and onto the page. It has to sound like somebody's sitting next to you with a cup of hot tea and you're just talking because immediately their ears will be like, wah, wah, like this is, you know, a bunch of, you know, what? So, um, well, it's got to be, it's got to be conversational. And I mean, I have, um, I think we have some young copywriters here and, and they're, improving by by leaps and bounds every day but what i'm finding i have to go back with them for is go read it again and tell me if it sounds like a marketing pitch or marketing slogan and Uh. there's things that there's things i don't allow like i don't allow one-stop shop i don't allow (laughs) um there's things that just they're they're not going to happen they're not going to if they get through here it's not because i didn't see it um and exclamation points i i've I've banned them i've banned (laughs) exclamation points because and this this is is ridiculous it is absolutely ridiculous but i think it's a cheat, you know, because people, they overuse them. It's like, I'm excited, exclamation point. Mm, I'd rather ridiculous. you tell me, ex- describe the excitement. Don't tell me yeah. you're excited by exclamation yeah. point. Overuse of it. Feel it. You're absolutely exactly. right. Well, I don't also- take his side. He's ridiculous. The exclamation point is a perfectly valid punctuation mark. He <laughs> just doesn't have enthusiasm in his life. Therefore, he doesn't want other people to have enthusiasm. No, it, it's abused. It's abused. One time in a whole page is not abused. Some people put three, like the three exclamation points. It's the same thing as ellipse about a year ago. That was really popular with long sales page letters. And one or two people must have gotten a big hit on it. And then every copy I'm called in to read, I'm like, okay, well, I'm getting dizzy. You know, I mean, you can have just as a big of impact if you, you know, if you treat copy like music, music is such a big part of my life and it is so exactly matched up to copy. It's uh, so if you have long, long, short, short, three words, four words, four words, and then they see a chunk of deep dive, juicy bits, and then long, long bit like that. Th- that's also the cadence, the, the flow, rhythm. the lyric, definitely. Yeah. You yeah. can't just come out any longer with these up uh, today. I've been breaking it into chunklets copy that I'm reading and it's got to make sense. And again, the moment you stop, you print it out, you read it with your own words and you jump into those shoes. It just does itself. It, it's like magic, you know? Well, and I think too, um, and not to sound like a grumpy old man, but like the modern the modern way that we communicate with texts and with emojis and all that, we've lost some of the art of writing, you know, in general. And I think mm-hmm. that, Jack, you don't shake your head at me. I'm telling you. You are a grumpy old man. Why not sound like it? But there's truth to what I'm saying, because, again, um, I mean, like when I need to write something, I, I, I usually take a pad out and a pen and I, I, I scribble because I, I have to write. Mm-hmm. I have to write it out. You know, is that because and, your chisel broke on the cave wall? And, and so. Stop it. That's not okay. that's not what I'm talking about. But again, it's a, it's all shorthand. So everything's short. Mm-hmm. Everything's everything's we, we, we speak in Twitter talk and, and text speak, you know, and it's mm-hmm. um and no one knows how to craft a full form, fully formed sentence. A lot of times, you know, really mm-hmm. smart people don't know how to craft fully formed sentences in writing. And, um, and I think it's a, it's a it's a um, it's something that it takes time. And I think people, even if you're not a writer, if you're getting someone to, to do work for you is understanding what that's about, understanding how powerful the written word can be. And um, as far as, you know, people that absorb themselves into it. Mm-hmm. So well, you both have a musical background. Sorry, Lori, I just want to make this point real quick. Yeah. You both have a musical background and you're both writers. And I think there's definitely a connection there um, with writing good copy. Mm-hmm. It's that rhythm. 
Yeah. It's that rhythm, the cadence, the, you know, to your point, Michael, was kind of a secret and I'm just trying it out. I'm trying it out in a big way. Something's launching tomorrow. So if you don't hear back from me, you know, it didn't work out. Um, <laughs> you said something, Michael, and that was, and, and that's why you have to keep your eye on the ball. People and technology in our world's changing all day, every day. If you just stick with what worked three weeks ago, you know, I'd be out of business. So I just try to piece it's a sales page and uh, it's in these little chunklets and there's like 10 words and it's for mobile first, which most everything is 10 words, a little subhead with some juice, eight words, two words, four words, a little subhead that's bold, a little bigger. And I'm seeing like on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, it's these little segments and it's like haiku it's like a poem but i formulated the benefits and everything into these little i don't know they're like delicious benefit nuggets there's no bullets it's so clean so people are in a hurry for certain things this particular product um is something that you could immediately say yes to it's not like oh, I think I'll get a new roof for my house. It's not that kind of a decision. It's like a body wash you're using. So, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, but I'm trying that out. And I guess the main point is don't get stuck in what worked like three weeks ago. You better know what the whole world is feeling like and seeing in all of these platforms. And you better stay right on top of that or you're you're just going to be, you know, old old news. Yeah. And I, I get that. And I mean, and obviously, I mean, uh, same thing. I mean, we, I, depending on the audience, depending on what I'm writing for, depending on what the client is, I mean, different, different needs have different ways to adapt. And uh, I think being a chameleon is part of it too. And, and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to turn into this person. I'm going to be, um, you know, whatever today. And I'm going to speak that language for that, that audience, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it may be. Um, because the same thing, if you get stuck in you, the way you think it should be, generally it's going to have a rub at some point, you know, and not everybody's going to be so inclined to, to jump on board. Well, you know, you just gave me an idea of something huge that kind of skyrocketed, I'd say six or seven years ago. Um, you know, I, I've been so lucky. I'm so grateful to have worked with so many of the greats out there. And uh, it was with Clayton Makepeace and it was for um, Weiss research and um it wasn't quite at the crux where everybody was for sure on mobile first people were still on the desktop but it was kind of edging its way in and before this long form sales page very long subheads you might have remembered it i'm sure you did like 13 or 14 words and then if you do this and that and the other thing or whatever that was great on a huge and old man's looking for a new retirement package he's looking in his old office at night and he can see all these big huge headline words but clayton knew that people were changing and so the words were more like eight word subheads, you know, instead of 15 or 20. And he also knew that the old style was initial caps for these subheads. And we had a long conversation that, and he was right, I use that today, that if the words in the subhead are someone speaking, this will really help you out in the X, Y, whatever. If if somebody's speaking, do not use initial caps because then it looks like marketing. Use just a regular sentence, the first like that. So do you see that tiny little specificity? But today it matters huge. So he was already, you know, God bless him, uh, ahead of the pack. So keeping your eye on the ball, making, you know, decisions like that, seeing and thinking, and that, that comes back to what's on my sheet being so curious. Um, people will just do people that I work with, or they hire me or whatever. And I, I, I get on the first call and I'm like, they're just doing, here's the copy. We always do it like this or whatever. I'm like, no wonder 
you, you know, you can't make a go of it because you're, you're not <laughs> being curious and asking, why didn't they use that acne product for 60 days? You know, why did they think it was a miracle? And the next day when they woke up, it, their skin was going to be like a, a model skin or something like that. It's because you didn't say this isn't magic. These are unique, specific hand-chosen ingredients. We've crafted them together after tons of clinical, scientific, blah, blah, blah. So these will take a while, Lorianne. You know, it's not going to be tomorrow. And so the other team is like, oh, they just pick up the same copy. They don't ask questions. And that's where the curiosity, um, it'll, it'll really make you, you know, uh, a superstar. That's um, and I think that's such good advice, really, for myself to even remember because I think sometimes we all get caught up in the grind of it all, and you don't take the time to pull back and say, "Let me, let me, let me breathe on this for a minute. Let me really soak in. Let me look at all the angles and really find my way through it." Versus, I have a deadline. I, it's all due tomorrow, and let me just this this one's not worth it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put my time into that. But it all deserves the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I'm so lucky. You know, sometimes I just want to pinch myself. And and I always make sure to note this when I see people like having a raised eyebrow on a call or whatever. So I'm not afraid. I mean, if somebody doesn't want to use me because I'm ballsy or saying something outside the box, I could care less. You know, go ahead, because you're the person that's going to be stuck with not many orders. But because I'm outside, I can kind of say what I want during the meeting. I could be like, gee, John, uh, that seems pretty vanilla. Um, and gosh, can you tell me the analytics on this mobile first? Uh, did they get to the first button or the second button or how many? What's the percentage between the first three scrolls? Can you here? Let me stop so I can. Oh, mobile for guys. Are we using mobile first or desktop? <laughs> they have no idea. Nobody's ever checked. This is a week ago. You know what I mean? So somebody will scramble around while I'm jabbering about something else. And they'll be like, Lori, you're right. It's 97.6 of on mobile. Nobody is looking on desktop the whole time. They're designing and writing for this huge screen and they've lost it. So those, you know, I design and write now, right? I, I have my phone and I design in this little box. I take my word file and I go like three and a quarter inches from the left, three and a quarter inches from the right. And I have this little space and I, I can see, you know, visual, video, headline is this long, a button here, two lines of copy, blah, blah, blah. So if copywriters are still writing on an eight and a half by 11 sheet, well, come on, you know, so you or can- a 27 inch wide screen. Yeah, Jackie, you're right. Yeah, it's, and so it's a lot of this head movement or whatever. And yes, 10 years ago it was the first 12 inches and how far did they get down? But today it's like, I would guess- if the first two scrolls haven't like lassoed them and duct taped them down, um, yeah, you're out, on. baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. One of the um, things that um, I'm sorry, Jack. They um, Jackie brought it to the agency many years ago, and we incorporated when we did a lot more print work. But it was the um, and maybe you can talk a little more about it, Jackie. But the logo, headline, illustration sure. thing, and um, it was writing for different audience types, you know. And there are people that just read headlines, people that that are more body copy. They're going to read every every word. There are people that are going to you know more visual, and you know. And I think those principles still work in the digital age, where you have to think about your different audiences and how they're going to process that information. Hmm. Now you're you're absolutely right, Jackie. What were you going to say? Well. I he told me to talk about it and then he talked about it. So I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go with that, um, but I'll give you the, I'll give you the history of it. So um, I believe it was Charles Sanders who kind of created this and it models the disc personality profile testing, you know, those four quadrants and we yeah. all have a little bit of them in us, but you're more dominant in one of them, depending on what you're doing at that time. And the theory is that if we were to take the disc profile and match it up to a typical print ad, 
you know, it, we can have a common language to talk about. And so your D of the disc profile dominant is what we would call a headline personality because they read the headlines. They don't read the rest of the article. Oh. Um, they're going to make quick decisions. They're going to trust their gut. Quick start. Yes. Right. And they're typically entrepreneurs and CEOs. And um, you can kind of identify them by how they email and how they talk and what their office looks like. The next would be um, what we would call the illustrations because they like the pretty pictures. They want you to have won a bunch of awards. They're early adopters. They're going to drive BMWs. They have a type. And so if they think you're the best in the business, they're going to hire you because they think they're the best in the business. They're looking for some borrowed glory. Um, the, uh, body copy, they will read every word in that ad. They will then follow to your website and read every word there. They're then going to ask for extra information to read more. They're going to research, research, research because they have analysis paralysis. They're so worried about pulling the trigger and being wrong that they're going to overanalyze it before they decide. So, uh, and the fourth is body copy. And so that's the, we, how do we feel about it? How do we um, consider it. And so they're going to reach out to their peers. You see them on social media saying, looking for a new vet, who do you recommend? Uh, because they want to have buy-in from a group before they commit because they want someone else to have test driven it. And um, they, they read reviews. They're big into case studies. So four very different approaches to making decisions. If we assume, which what we tend to do as humans, is that people make the same decisions we make decisions, then in the agency world, we create the thing we like mm -hmm. and therefore we exclude the other three types. And so it's really important to separate yourself from how you make decisions. I mean, if I was in charge, we would only write headlines here. We'd <laughs> never write another word after the headline. The headline's enough. Done. Um, but I'm not in charge of the world, just us. And so we have to consider the others and make sure that we've got options. There's no one size fits all anymore is the point mm -hmm. no that's that's very helpful and jackie you kind of made me remember something that we lean on is that you know there's quick start people who like you said they're like oh i see it you know that's why just this last week i'm leading with a video on top where i probably would have led with a headline a little mini logo, a photo, some juicy copy, and I'm trying it out because when you see that video, very short seconds, you know, and they see that interesting use of the object, you know, whether it's some type of service or a product, whatever it is, and they can put themselves in there. We've studied it. We know what they have to see to understand it, be clear and be like, oh, yeah, I want to look more. So, it has been so important recently that instead of having the button way down here, the first one, I bring it up. And again, I'm not just going to try that. I'm going to test that. I'm going to put crazy egg on it and see how far down. But that that's like that leads me to think about how lucky we are about technology today you know, I am lucky enough to work with, you know, the company, I'll just say it like this, the company that created Tide and a million other products um, <laughs> that serve over 4 billion people or whatever a, a day. Um, we have technology, so I can test two or three headlines. I can test a very luxurious design, and a very just, you know, standard design. I can test just the words and see how these two sets of only words, no visuals perform. And then what happens if I just put pictures on there with little captions? So technology, some people don't lean on it enough. Some people lean on it too much, I tell you. Um, I'm loving AI for two reasons. One, you know, it's given me some speed and new tools, but two, there's 8 million wannabe copywriters out there and they're using AI and now they think they're an A-lister. And I have uh, huge contracts now with people 
ongoing in all different industries to unscramble for a very large fee, all of this messed up AI copy that has redundancies. It sounds like this and is so redundant. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm loving AI right now, but leaning on technology, continuously learning, growing, reading, talking to others, reaching out, um, that 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 can really give you an edge these days, and you have to stay on top of it. You can't stay, um, you know, locked in a, a mason jar or something. Yeah, I mean, AI thing. We talk a lot about that. It comes up because it's it's everywhere, especially in our industry. Um, I I think right now what it, what I've seen is it, it's just call it the age of mediocrity because it, it it produces copy that's not bad, but it's it's all kind of just vanilla and generic and and. And it just kind of mediocre and it doesn't really get anywhere. And anyway, it, it pains me. And I can usually pick it out of a crowd. Like if, if I see something, I'm like, oh, yeah, this was written by by somebody, you know, um, or, mm -hmm. or written by nobody. So you can usually tell. Mm. Well, and your customers can. So that's why I'm so excited, too. It's going to be easier, even more so to win now, because not many people, uh, you could probably count them on your hand know how to use it as a tool and then go on top of it and perfect it to the level that it needs to be with that emotion, you know, just the right smattering of persuasion and using your psychological notions to really get in there and, you know, go deep, mm -hmm. go, go deep or go home. That's <laughs> what I say. So uh, it's a very I exciting time. Lori, I have a question. So you have this impressive pedigree. Uh, the prestigious names that you've worked with, Hyatt Hotels, K Jewelers, Forbes, Motley Fool, Oprah Winfrey, Procter & Gamble, TurboTax. I mean, I could go on and on and on. So when you think about this this career, which I'm sure is only about three years, right? That you've been yeah, a pro and I'm had all that time. You know. Yes. Um, <laughs> what, are the, what are the projects that really jump out at you and you think, Man, I did good work there. That, that's we nailed it on that one. Mm. Yeah, I, I would say. Um, well, this this project was at the very early stage of my career. You know, I've had such beautiful times. I feel so grateful for all of this. But th there was that changing of the guards that happened with me. And I think that's why this is the biggest one. And that was um, with the Grand Hyatt Hotel. Um, it was doing groundbreaking. We haven't even broken ground for the new hotel. And at this agency, you know, we were given the task of even though the ground hadn't even been broken during the ceremony, to try to sell at least three months, or excuse me, yeah, three to six months of booked up hotel and it doesn't even exist. And don't forget, this was so long ago, it, it was before computers. So you couldn't just say, you know, to the guru, um, hey, here's some photos of what the whatever. So I had to use the model that the architect created have some specific photos taken, add highlighting or whatever to it, go to meetings and listen to what were the big restaurants going to be? What? Wow, a lagoon with 8,249 goldfish swimming in there. Oh, 15 levels. I had to try to visualize and see and put those into words. And the biggest thing I could come up with were like, full page or double truck ads in the New York Times or the Washington Post or whatever, because of course it was going to be in Washington, D.C. How can we do this? You know, social media wasn't there. We didn't have the internet and everything. And just writing those ads and taking a chance on just putting in three right-hand page ads you know, the lagoon with so-and-so, so, -and -so you know, beef from the so-and-so, so-and-so, turn the page. Just those words in, you know, Helvetica new, extra fat, bold, condensed by 10% up at the top, heavy on the top and a few words. And then the logo, you know, just having to, having nothing to work with. And then at the end, hearing that we did accomplish the goal 
I think just out of my whole career, um, that that was just the trickiest for me to think outside the box. And um, it, it left quite an impact that if you think and you spend enough time on it and you try to think outside the box and pull on every string you can, you know, come up with that you can, you can always win. Exactly. No, exactly. And so I think that when you take that approach, you're going to end up winning every time. So I, I love that. Um, mm. You know, we were talking a little bit about AI and it's one of Michael's least favorite things. And I, I think you hit on a little bit, the pros and the cons. Mm -hmm. And so where do you see it heading? I mean, do you feel like it's going to be a tool in your toolkit forever now? Is it just a fad? What do you see the future being? Yeah, I see it just being like computers, you know, uh, all my girlfriends that were graphic designers, you know, back in the 80s, like me, uh, they're like, Flora, you're silly to try to take that new job and leave this job doing paste up and mechanicals using wax on the back of type pages, you know, and try this computer thing. You silly nut. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah. Um, I refinanced the house just to buy $15,000 worth of a computer and maybe the printer was $10,000. I forget. It was like, you know, okay, family, we're not going to eat for a few years because, uh, you know, we got this idea or whatever, but I think it's going to be very useful. Beautiful things are happening. Um, and using it just, you know, being creative and putting it to use. And like people say, you hear them say all the time, gosh, that saved me five hours. Many times now, I'll just start with that and do some prompts. Um, you know, I was telling you earlier about that haiku copy style that I was writing with this essence and this flow and music behind it. Um, we kind of dabbled with that and that helped me out a lot because it came back, you know, AI came back with uh, something on a little higher level that encompassed taking some of the words that I needed to use, but I couldn't figure out how to incorporate them in this like lullaby that I was writing. And, oh, so I leaned on it, but then I used all my high powered skill set, packed them in there. And then I amended it. Many people, I think what you and Michael and I are talking about is that people just don't know what they don't know. And then they're using it right out of the box. So soon, it's just, you know, that I think it's going to be a good thing. I'm not afraid of it good. yet. No, <laughs> I think it is, too. And kind of what you alluded to is that um, I think it's for, for younger people and people that are just getting into the industry and it's, it's a shortcut and, and it's a great shortcut. But if you don't just like anything like um, Picasso didn't start painting like Picasso, he was a, a great painter, you know, and he painted natural. I mean, he was he did great figure work and all these different things. Then you get into cubism over time, but you have to kind of go through the, I think the classics first, you know, you have to learn how to write first. Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to learn, learn the language better and then take these tools and use them. Same thing with um, Photoshop. I mean, there's this one button now to do these thing, things that would take 15 steps before, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's great to have it. It's, it's so much nicer to go, Oh, I need this and it'll generate it and it'll blend it and do these things for it. But at the same time, there's something to be said about learning how to how to craft, learning the craft, basically, you know, mm -hmm. in anything, I think the grind of it all. No, you're you're absolutely right about that. And you made me think of something, Michael, and that is. Um, and it's a little sad and it's taking a lot of work um, when I'm working with designers and they're just getting started and they have great ideas. I can see such potential, you know, in their company when I'm coaching the team or whatever. But um, they're like, yeah, did you see that one thing where you just click a button and you can get like 8000 photos and stuff like that? I'm like, yeah, but uh, I don't know of a time that I'll ever need an orange cat riding on a Schwinn bike wearing blue mittens. <laughs> I, I just, I have not come across that. So I will tell you a little secret, like it's okay. Just, this is just my opinion. So take it only for what it's worth. Um, I'm actually, privately speaking, 
asking a lot of teams to perhaps consider just taking a lot of shots on their own that you can with your own phone, especially for like Instagram, one of my accounts, uh, just outdoor shots. The the product is sitting there in real grass. There's a stream, there's a butterfly, you know, uh, just a photo isn't going to do it maybe. And just a stock photo in a fancy, slick, sterile environment that used to work isn't going to work. And you really have to think about that. But with testimonials and with, with photos where you're showing a real woman putting on real face goo or, you know, a hair thing, I work a lot in high-end skincare, hair, you know, beauty and stuff like that. You really need to be like on the ball with like, does that look real? Would you believe that? Is her skin really going to look like that? Why not have it just be a little rougher? I mean, that's not even possible that nobody's, you know, like get low. And again, isn't that funny? We said it a hundred times. It's thinking, being curious, asking yourself, if I'm the man up all night urinating with a prostate situation, I am going to be cranky and tired and rude and not perform at work. And I am looking for that solution. I will do whatever it takes. I will take it for six months. I realize, you know, those kind of conversations. I sit here in my studio and I... I, I'll just be honest, I, I have those conversations with myself and uh, I have to like play, you know, play around with it. Uh, you can't just like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and key in some copy today. Like that's not going to work any longer, in my opinion. Yeah, Jackie and I had that eternal debate. She doesn't understand that sometimes things take longer than she wants them to take. And sometimes I don't feel it until the very end. And, and just, no, no, gotta, no, no, no. Let, let's be very clear. Let's set the record straight. The 23 years we have run this agency together, the number of times you have felt it before the very end are exactly zero. The number of times that you have felt it at 11.59 and it's due at 12 um, are 7,362. And, uh, and how many times did it not happen? Do you really want that number out loud? None. <laughs> None. It's the always... number of times we had to push something back because you hadn't quite fully felt it yet. But when you got it, it uh, was good. Uh, admit it. Admit it. And, and then it was the winner. But, you know, I not on this call, probably. It doesn't take very long to do it. But uh, I can definitely, um, you know, tell you how to get inspiration, get on your jam and just actually not be able to stop that stream of flow. You want to get in that flow state so that those millions of ideas come out and then you don't feel like it's choking you any longer and you can get open, inspired. And then, you know, like you start feeling what that feeling like is like when you get close to it. Um, so you can groom yourself, you can train yourself to get into this trance and, um, you know. Lori, we, we have to go. We can't talk anymore. <laughs> Don't, do not tell Jackie that. Near, 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 near. <laughs> yes. <laughs> can you do yoga, Michael? <laughs> well, you um, know, and the thing I was told by a psychologist once that, and it made sense to me finally in my head, he said, you know, um, there is a, uh, especially if you're like, you know, ADD or you're whatever, like there's a fight or flight thing that goes on when you're backed into a corner and there's a, there's a, like endorphins or something is released when that happens. And that's when you, you call it the creative juices start flowing. Like you, you get inspired or you have to do something. It's when you're pushed to, to that degree. Sometimes you, you almost, it's almost like a drug, like you start to feed off of it. And, oh. and it, it's something that you, you, you kind of almost not crave, but you depend on like, okay, that's when it's going to come to me when I have to do it, you know, and you get to be habit forming to where that's part of your training almost, oh. you know, and it made sense. I was like, you know, which is not a good thing. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a rough way to live because you're constantly being backed into a corner, you know, um, yeah. for waiting for that moment to happen where, Oh, this makes sense. Now I have the answer, you know, mm. I don't know if it's true or not, but that, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with it for right now. I've kind of heard stuff like that. I don't think for me, 
I mean, you can probably tell by my voice. I don't even have to say that. This is my passion. I've devoted my whole life to this. I cannot wait to wake up in the morning. And I don't even know what time it is at night. Like this drives me. It's uh, So I try not to ever address it in fear. I think uh, an amazing copywriter, Doug Deanna, taught me that, you know, many years ago on one of our first projects with the boardroom. It's like, Lori, one of the things that, you know, you should know if you don't know it already is never design in fear. And I don't think I ever wrote it down or I sat and thought about it, but, you know, we connected on that. I, um, I do like stupid things. It'll, I, I don't mind being honest here. Why not just be transparent if it'll help somebody out? Like I, I could be dressed to the nines one day. And that is because I'm trying to come up with a new idea. Maybe I'll take a run, a really long run. I know what I need to perform and I take it very seriously. And, um, I'm alone, like a lot of times, so much in my life. And that's important. I decided not to invite a whole team in. They're somewhere else. Uh, I can't have any distractions. If I want to do yoga while I'm thinking, look at a book, eat an apple over here, whatever, I do that. And um, you really have to follow your heart. If you're a creative on this level, like, you know, that we're all sharing today, you really have to be true to yourself and give yourself whatever feeds you, I think. No, that's all. And <laughs> I, I agree with all that. That's good advice too. Um, for me, I think I just, I'm more of a, um, a paralysis person. Like I, I, I overthink and I have to process it. I have to go through, it's not like I can't do it the first round, but I'm never happy with the first draft. I mean, I'm, um, and I was kind of taught that early on that, you know, quality comes from quantity. Like you have to do a lot of work to get to the good stuff. You know, you have to get rid of all the bad stuff in your head to get to the, 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 the space where you can find the right answer, you know, and yeah. that's just the way I, that's why I process it, you know. Now, oh, those are great points. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like this was the two of you in a whole, we are the same person fest. And I am just glad <laughs> to have been able to watch it and witness it and observe it as it happened. So thank y'all for letting me drop in on your podcast. Lori, Lori you, is way cooler than me, man. I am so not, you, not in her league. Are you getting a rash or anything, Jackie? No, so far I'm all right. I'm going to have to go read a spreadsheet and yeah. tabulate something in the Excel though to recalibrate my equilibrium. <laughs> and that's what's funny though. It's, Jackie says that, but and we do. Um, I talk a lot to um, schools, and, and whenever I'm out talking to, to students, I, I say the same thing. I tell my team this all the time: creativity and artistry are two different things. You know, being an artist and being creative. Creative is, is, is problem solving, and Jackie's really good at that. Um, she's mm. quick, and she's she always has seems to have the answer. So that creativity is very prevalent in her in, in that sense. And I think people get tied up and goes, oh, I'm not creative. Everybody's creative. How do you solve problems? You know, um, are, being an artist, well, that's a skill. That's a, that's a trained thing. Either you sometimes you have more talent in it, but you can learn how to draw and you can learn how to play the piano. I mean, mm -hmm. you may be better at it if you if you have more of a, a talent for it. But creativity is in everybody, I think. Yeah. But, but those analytics and stuff like, you know, I'm a businessman first and then I'm a geek and a nerd second. And then, you know, I'm a creative designer, writer, strategist, you know, like that. So I think it's important to talk about that perhaps a little bit about like, I don't, you know, Jackie, I think you kind of asked this in the beginning, and I don't think I dabbled on this a little bit with you, but, um, you know, I will ask those questions like, well, how many sold last month? Mm -hmm. Did you just come up with this? What are your projections for selling this book? Is it 50,000? Is it 200 million? Who will it go to? Why? Why? Again, the curious thing just never goes away for me. Uh, so knowing 
business practices and what it means. And um, can we sell them three instead of just one? Oh, let's work out those numbers. That's where you probably hop right on in on that, Jackie. Um, For sure. Wait a minute. Let me see. Everybody else does one, three, and five. And I've tested this before. How do we do two, four, and six to shake <laughs> up the whole industry? Okay, we'll get a winner on that for a while. But knowing, uh, you know, what's going on in business and numbers and analytics, I study probably half of the day is spent on looking at those numbers and why and competitive analysis. Yep. How far people got down? What did they do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No. That's been the, the bread and butter of our. I mean, we've made it this far, I think, because of our two sides of the coin. You know, um, the strategy and the creative working together. Um, and there are some rubs there sometimes, but uh, I think the work is better because of it. You know, um, because we take both sides. It's never about just a pretty picture, and um, it's never about just just heady heady charts. You know, it's it's about how do those things work together to come up with the right answer. That's, that's a brilliant note right there. And I don't know about you guys, but I kind of like when things get sticky and kind of not good. And you said the word rubbing, like, I love that friction. I know when I see like a CEO or a client's hair stand on end during a call because of something I've like blurted out or... um that they're thinking and I wasn't afraid to say it or ask it like, why the hell are you doing that? You know, sometimes I'm just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't even know how you're making this business work. You know, and I, and, uh, let's really like stop for a minute and let's really look at this together. So um, that's one thing that I noticed people were like, Oh, people aren't getting along or exactly. Um, agreeing with each other we don't agree Lori. what you know and i'm like good that's good that's when you know you're on the right track um not just okay we'll just do it like we did last time you know what i mean and make it a prettier color but pretty colors only go so far right yep. right no absolutely um Lori, you have been awesome a great wealth of information. I think your positive optimism and relentless curiosity are what make you so special. If the people who are listening want to find you, where do they go to do that? Oh, well, thank you. First of all, Jackie, those are very nice words. Um, Yeah, they could just go on LinkedIn. Um, That's probably the juiciest spot. Uh, I'm just L-O-R-I for Lori. And H-A-L-L-E-R for Haller. Um, You can also go to my website. There's a great video of John Carlton pretty much grilling me on there. And that's just uh, LoriHaller.com. And then on LinkedIn, I think it's helpful if you want to get to know me. There's a variety of I've been so blessed to be on a lot of uh, podcasts or videos And a lot of times I will tear apart something or show you how I flip something from online to print or something like that. So maybe they'll give you an idea. But, um, yeah, I'd be tickled to hear from you or uh, I love meeting new people and, you know, learning new things. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I think that this hopefully this podcast has been a great opportunity for other people to learn new things from you. Uh, And of course, I always recommend that we connect offline uh, so that we can continue to grow and learn from each other. Lori, you've been a delightful guest. Having watched John's interview of you, I knew you would be great and you lived up to the expectation plus. So thank you. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Good. I'm glad you didn't tell me at the beginning because I was nervous anyway. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And um, I really appreciate this time together. No, this was great. Thank you so much. And so for everyone listening, thank you for once again joining us at He Said, She Said, Razor Branding Podcast. We'll see you again next time.